Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Wanted to get this in while uh, it's still relevant because it kind of uh, dovetails into this weekend's uh, Emerald City Comic Con that's going on in Seattle. And I hope everyone's having a great time out there. Hope you uh, take time and uh, see Janelle Aslan out there because uh, Janelle is uh, going to be participating in a few panels. She has a Kickstarter campaign going on uh, with a uh, new uh, romance anthology that she has started. And uh, the romance genre is uh, getting a kick in the ass from Janelle and a lot of great creators. Uh, Man, I'm telling you, when you see the art and and hear about the premises of these stories, I I think if you're a romance fan, you're definitely going to be interested in this. I'm always intrigued when another genre is picked up and exploited in comics and glad to see romance is coming back. Uh, and uh, Janelle has lined up a lot of good talent. It doesn't surprise me. She's always had a good eye for talent. She has worked her way up through the ranks uh, in the D.C. offices, was in the bad office for quite some time with uh, Mike Martz and uh, overseeing work of a lot of my buddies like Chris Burnham and Jeremy Hahn, among others. And uh, really happy that uh, she struck off on her own. Currently is uh, one of the senior editors over at Comics Alliance. And uh, has been doing a great column over there, too, called Hire This Woman. And uh, she spotlights a lot of up-and-coming female comic creators. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, Certainly, uh, female creators, uh, their experiences at conventions, their reactions to uh, the publishers and what they're putting out there have been in the headlines of late. And we go into uh, some detail about a lot of those subjects because um, I appreciate Janelle's point of view. Um, I think uh, she represents uh, uh, the age demographic that is emerging in a, in a good way and, and can give her point of view in the same way that I think Kelly Sue DeConnick was able to. And in a lot of ways, as I like to point out, as a, as a willing but knuckle-dragging kind of guy, uh, sometimes you need to hear a, a different perspective to understand and appreciate what's going on. And I'm really pleased with, uh, as I like to say, the level of conversation that that we were able to have, Janelle and I, in this conversation. And I hope you enjoy it. Uh, She points out a lot of neat things uh, to look up to as far as uh, some uh, recent uh, discussions about uh, gender and comics and where things are today. And uh, we get into the Batgirl cover controversy from a couple weeks ago and a few other things. Uh, I think you'll like it. But most importantly... Uh, I think Janelle is a, is a good creative person and uh, worthy of uh, of your attention. So I'm glad to uh, give her the uh, showcase today on Word Balloon. It's brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where there are amazing deals happening, as always. Uh, don't forget, you can get things like uh, J. Michael Straczynski's uh, Twilight Zone trade paperbacks. Volumes 1 and 2 are now 50% off. The publisher, PS Art Books, has been uh, putting out uh, great uh, reprint trades And uh, the hardback uh, bookshop editions are available at uh, massive savings right now at InStockTrades.com, along with uh, other great deals on things like uh, Big Hard Sex Criminals from uh, Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction. 50% off. It's just $19.99. You can follow Superman Doomed. The hardcover is 50% off, $24.99. You can get Volume 3 of uh, J. Michael Straczynski's Twilight Zone trade paperback. The Way Back is $7.99. From Titan Comics, a couple Doctor Who volumes are available featuring the 10th Doctor. Volume 1 is 25% off, $14.99. Same price on uh, a collection for uh, the 11th Doctor and a trade called Afterlife. 
and that's also $14.99. You can get Hawkeye trade paperback, Avenging Archer, 42% off. It's $20.29. But all these deals are happening now at InStockTrades.com, a hell of a lot more. Go to the website. Don't forget, if you spend $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping, and they make it really easy with great books at great prices. That's InStockTrades.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you for your support. Uh, as always, truly appreciated. Uh, man, I'm telling you, the Word Balloon 10th anniversary is coming up. I've got uh, convention plans myself coming up in the weeks ahead. C2E2 is going to be in the backyard, Chicago, in just a couple weeks. And then uh, I'll be going to San Diego as well, probably New York in the fall. Uh, I haven't firmed up my New York plans yet, but uh, it's, it's likely that's when I'll be going to New York. And I hope to see you out at some of these conventions. I'm sorry I can't go out to more. If you can uh, help Word Balloon out and subscribe to the show, it's a free show. It will always be a free show. But if you want to help the cause out and you can spare even as much as a dollar a month, that would be terrific. So uh, go to uh, patreon.com slash Word Balloon and uh, you can subscribe there. And as always, I, I appreciate the support. And as uh, the best thing that you can do for me to help with uh, exposing Word Balloon to a larger audience, let a friend know that you like what you hear on Word Balloon, that there's interesting conversation, and uh, they might find uh, other uh, podcast interviews that I've done uh, over these 10 years that they might find interesting as well. So uh, check out all the details at wordballoon.com on how to subscribe and visit my archive there as well. Like me on Facebook and like me at uh, iTunes and write a review if you like the show as well. All these things can really help out. And uh, thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, for your continued support. All right. I am very happy to welcome Janelle Aslan back uh, onto Word Balloon. We have known each other almost uh, as long as we've both been uh, dealing with the comic book market. Me as a podcaster and her uh, starting off as an intern in D.C. a long time ago and uh, moving up the ranks. As I said, she was an assistant editor over at D.C. for many years and uh, has been doing uh, great work ever since. And uh, very excited about this new move, uh, creating uh, a new imprint, Rosie Press, and uh, starting things off with a romance anthology. I'm going to let uh, Janelle talk about the Kickstarter campaign and more now on Word Balloon. If you are ready, let us begin. I am ready. Excellent. Do you remember? You are too young to remember family classics on WGN TV. I am too young, yes. <laughs> okay, because that's, that's how Fraser Thomas used to start. That was like the Sunday afternoon family movie on, uh, on Channel 9 with Garfield Goose. <laughs> He, the guy who hosted Garfield Goose. And there was like a, a painting of Garfield Goose as like uh, an admiral in like the Napoleonic era. <laughs> I swear to God. And he would say, now, if you're ready, let us begin. <laughs> Fraser Thomas would say that. So there you go. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Janelle Aslan is on the phone and I have to uh, – Aslan and I, is on the phone and I have to uh, regale her with Chicago memories whether she remembers <laughs> them or not. So how are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You've got uh, some interesting projects going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy week. <laughs> nice going. Rosie Press, um, your new imprint, and you are uh, hitting digital comics hard with the romance genre. That is correct. Interesting. So, like... Do you is did you feel that this was in the the need is there in the zeitgeist that there isn't a proper romance comic? How many are there right now? I mean, I can't even think of any current ones. There, what you're doing? There right aren't now. really. You know, I've been joking around that in my head the the best example of like a romance comic, like an American romance comic right now is Saga, <laughs> because you know right. that is about the the relationship between two people, but. 
you know, sex criminals, I guess. Yeah, sex criminals. That's for real. Yeah, no, that's, no. A, that's a, there's a relationship there. That's definitely a relationship comic. As yeah, well. but it's you know it's just not something. I feel like it's something that American comics left behind for a long time. You know, I mm-hmm. I when I first got into comics, this is going to put me in a very specific niche of comics fans, and I I know they're all going to be like, oh yeah. Uh, when the thing that got me into comics was watching the '90s X-Men cartoon when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I was really into Rogue and Gambit, and so I was excited to pick up the comics. And some of the ones I picked up, there was you know like some sort of relationship stuff. But <clears throat> when once I became an adult and I started picking up comics, it felt like superhero comics had sort of lost that. Mm-hmm. That sort of soap opera romance edge um and so while i was working in a comic shop in iowa i started picking up manga and i got really really into it and i i loved that there were so many different options and i felt like as as a sort of girly girl wanting to pick up you know like more girly comics there wasn't anything for me in american comics but manga like literally offered up comics specifically for girls and women and ever since then i started thinking about like why doesn't this exist in american comics what what would it take to bring that into american comics and and as i started doing research for my uh master's thesis and everything and i started to learn about the role that romance comics used to play in our industry and that sort of made me want to to bring it back and and to make that a real thing in comics again. Very cool. Fresh Romance is the name of your anthology. Yep. And it's it's uh, digital is the plan. Yep. And it's a kick. There's a Kickstarter going on right now. But the good news is beyond <coughs> starting this is you know uh, people can tell right away when they see the examples of of the art uh, for the three teams that you're starting out with. Uh, it looks great, and and certainly you're hitting uh, a lot of the uh, genres that you know. If, if people are truly looking for you know great examples of the genre, I think you're hitting all the right angles. Let, I'm, I'm going to let you kind of roll through the creators and and what they're doing. Absolutely. So um, our first team is Kate Leth and Ariel Jovlanos, and Amanda Skirty's doing the colors on that one, and that one's. <clears throat> it's you know ariel has this great sense of fashion and all of the the characters she draws have like such a great sense of fashion on them and everything and that was something that really drew me to her work and kate had this idea for you know the classic high school romance uh, which was a a popular trope in romance comics back in the day Uh, but in, and it's going to seem like there's two girls fighting over a guy, but in reality, they use it as a cover for their relationship with each other. (laughs) And it's just like, it's, it's a great fun little story and putting that team together and, and they're all really excited to work together and to make this really neat comic that. You know, I mean, obviously, it's it's pushing the envelope a little. I think people still think, you know, queer stories at all are, is pushing the envelope. But you don't get the sense that anything is abnormal when you're reading the story. It's just a love story. And I sure. really love that. That's cool. I like the fact that, too, and you say this in the pitch, 
that these are going to be mature oh, yeah. romance comics. I mean, you, you, you go right out and say R-rated and everything, but it, I mean, again, I, I think when people see them and, and, you know, see what, what you guys have on the, uh, on the Kickstarter and stuff. No, I think this is going to, it seems like it's going to be handled obviously <laughs> tastefully, but also know that it, that it has an edge to it. And I think that's great. Oh yeah. You know, uh, I got Kate's first script and I was reading through it and I just started giggling cause there's, there's already a racy point in issue one. And I was like, all right, well somebody, you know, somebody took my R rated note. It, you know, it doesn't get quite R rated, but you know, there's some sexy times in issue one right off the bat, and I'm like, all right, okay. good job, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there a title for the or, you know, for this story? Uh, I, I didn't see it in the pitch. Uh, yeah, School Spirit. School Spirit. Okay, and then move on. And then yeah. there's two more. So we've got Sarah Vaughn and Sarah Winifred Searle, and they're doing a Regency romance. And that was something that, you know, Sarah Vaughn was the first person I reached out to. I've known Sarah for a while, um, actually in a hilarious, the many connections of comics. My longtime friend, Troy Brownfield, used to be her professor in college. And then she drew a comic for him, his webcomic. And so he introduced her and I, you know, online and, and, We've been talking about comics ever since. And I knew she loved vintage romance comics. Like, really, lo- she collects them and she'll send me scans of panels and stuff. So, when Regency romance, this is like Jane Austen yep. kind of stuff. And, and so okay. I started talking to her, and she also loves Regency romance, which is when I read like romance novels, that's I read ro- Regency romance novels. A lot of handkerchiefs in your stories. Oh, I'm yeah. Saying. Oh, yeah. A lot of a stuff lot of, being uh, passed around. A lot of fancy ball gowns and things like that. Um, so I, so I knew she would be interested in that. And I was like, you know, I really want one of these stories to be a Regency romance. And she was all in. She was, I mean, cool. she and, and Sarah Searle are so dedicated to it being historically accurate. We've brought in, um, a historical consultant wow. to make sure that everything is as accurate as it can possibly be. Cool. Um, cause we're all sort of history nerds. So it's one of those things where that's a priority for us. We don't, you know, I, I used to look at, as I was doing research about this, I would look at boards where on romance blogs, people would post about how Marvel had done Pride and Prejudice comics and people were actually interested, even people who hadn't read comics before, but then they would look at them and they would be like, Oh, but they got this style wrong or they missed this or they missed that. Because those fans are it's just like comic fans, you know, they're passionate and they know their stuff. Sure, no nerds about their culture, yep. absolutely. So, um, when were these Pride and Prejudice comics made? Um, the Marvel ones were made. I want to say like five to seven years ago. God, I didn't even know that. Yeah, okay. and, uh, Crazy. I may be off on the timing, but yeah, but they came out. I mean, they they look nice. kind of when those. Well, I guess actually, I was thinking, and you know, <clears> I always get screwed up because I forget, you know how many years have gone by, <laughs> but I was going to say when, maybe when those Gwyneth Paltrow, Jane Austen movies were coming out around that time. I think it might've been a little bit after that, but not. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's more like 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Oh gosh. <laughs> Good guy. I know. Ow. Oh. So our last right. story <laughs> is, uh, Sarah Kuhn and Sally Jane Thompson with Savannah Ganacho on colors. And, uh, Sarah Kuhn is a, she's a sci-fi fantasy novelist who lives out here in LA. And, okay. <clears throat> um, she's written like, uh, you know, she, she did this, uh, 
convention romance novel called One Con Glory. And so I, I had a feeling that she might be interested in doing romance comics. And she was, this is her first comics work. And she's, she's, she's really getting it. And she's really excited and, and putting in some great work. And, and Sally, uh, I'd actually featured on Hire This Woman. Okay, sure. Your your uh, your columns that you were running were those at Comics Alliance. Yep, yep. And okay, we're running absolutely them great now. feature. We're what's that? The column is back now, so we're doing it. Terrific. Uh, but yeah, so Excellent. I I really loved Sally's stuff, and she was always on my radar as someone I would like to work with eventually. And and the story they're doing is um, it's about a very cynical sort of grumbly barista. And so I knew it was really important that we have an artist that could do really expressive faces. And, you know, when you, when you have a cynical character, you have to, and, and she secretly of course has a heart of gold. Um, you know, you need to find ways to make her expressive that aren't necessarily going to be verbal. And, uh, and so, but it turns out the barista is secretly an emissary of love and her mission is to pair people up. And if she pairs up enough people, she completes her mission and she can go back to her home world and leave all this crap behind, including dealing with people. Uh, so it's, it's a really funny, like snarky story. And yeah, it's, it's really cute. Well, that would lead itself to maybe episodically, you know, being almost done in ones or, I mean, you know, without knowing, I don't know. I, I like, yeah. And I want to know even, um, do you see this coming out monthly, weekly? How, how do you see this coming? Out? Um, we're, we're monthly and, um, all these stories are going to run multiple issues. So they're going to be the, the first few issues. It's going to be multiple stories, uh, or the, the same stories just told in installments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got enough people lined up, which we're waiting to announce, you know, as stretch goals and, and whatnot, uh, pending how good the Kickstarter does. Um, but we've got a, a ton of people lined up nearly all the way to the full first year. And, and some of them are, are big name people that I think a lot of people are going to be really excited about. But, you know, it, it's just a matter now of, of balancing. You know, we've got three stories a month. And here's how here's how long each one is and then where can we fit in additional stories throughout the year is it uh how many how many screens per issue you know or yeah i guess screens is the way to describe it instead of pages or you tell me yeah it's uh it's each story is 10 page installments okay um so there's 30 pages of comics content per issue Cool. And then we also have we're gonna have a fashion column and Hilarious. we're gonna do a bunch of back matter stuff like you normally see in trades, like you know, cover process pieces and character designs and stuff like that. Because I always, I love that stuff. And then uh we're doing a uh an advice column, which is <laughs> called the Divorcee Club, and it's uh four divorced people giving love advice. Wow. that's cool no you know honestly that is the great thing i think about a lot of these uh moves to different genres that we don't normally see in in uh from the big two and and i think back matter is really important and i think it's great i love the fact that you know criminal is this awesome mystery magazine Mm -hmm. 
And uh, Jay Ferber's books have always been like that as well. And Fraction is doing – everybody's doing it really. I'm glad Rucka and Lark are doing it on Lazarus, a real interesting science book. Just talked to Matt Hawkins about how he does it with Think Tank. You know, that's that's smart, and I think uh, it gives people more of a real full magazine experience, so that's terrific. Absolutely, and I think it's it's also a nice way to add content without necessarily feeling like you have to add more comics. You can add more depth to the entire package without, you know, being filled to the brim with comics, which get expensive page by page. <laughs> so, like, and I understand that this is to help, you know, the production costs and stuff. As far as distribution are you going through Comixology? Are you going – I mean, do you have uh, avenues already set up? Yeah, we're going to go through Comixology, but um, we're also selling through our website, which the sure. the official storefront and everything hasn't launched yet. But you know, my big thing is I really want to sell subscriptions. I, I think the subscriptions are, are going to give people the most bang for their buck. <laughs> and so I've worked out a system with my, uh, my web designer where people – you know when the Kickstarter concludes, they'll be able to send in their information. We'll set up their accounts for them on the website. And then each issue will automatically get pushed into their account and they can download it and put it on whatever device or whatever they want. Cool. And so you're doing that all yourself as far as subscriptions. You're yep. not using a third party or anything like that. Yep. <laughs> smart. And no, then, smart. Uh, but we'll also be selling on Comixology just cause it makes sense to share sure. for the audience. And, uh, and they've been really supportive uh, of the project and uh, I'm going to be on their submit panel at Emerald city. Um, and I, I think it's, I think it's good cause you know, I, I really want to have a lot of outreach to readers beyond comics, which is a big reason why I wanted to sell through our website because I thought, you know, if you don't know anything about comics, it might seem really daunting to go into an app or into a, a bigger system and try and find what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, where if you know you're you're getting comics from Rosie Press or you're getting Fresh Romance, you can go to the website and then there it is, and it's super easy. So, but I also want comics readers to read it, so it's just balancing, uh, giving giving the audience the easiest access I can. Sure, and as many platforms as you can yep. as well. That seems to be the key, and it's interesting timing because. Uh, <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn and is it Mar- isn't it Marcos Martin? They're, yep. uh, they're wrapping up uh, Private Eye. Yeah, the the last issue came out this week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, you know, yeah, what, well, as an observer, because really, I'm interested, and in, we're going to go into a lot of different areas. But um, as an observer through what you do at Comics Alliance, and just you know, as as you've been kind of watching things move, where do you see the digital market right now? Why is this the right time to do fresh romance and what you're doing right now with Rosie Press? Well, I think you know, people are are the the comics fans are getting more and more converted to digital. <laughs> you know, I still had a couple people comment to me like, "Oh, I'd be interested if you were doing print." And I, you know, I I'm sorry to hear that, but print is super expensive and I would rather give that money to the creators than to get it printed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are starting to get more devices where they can put their comics on them or they, they want to read them on their computer and, and they're more open to looking at comics a bunch of different ways. And it's also the fact that, you know, romance novel sales are actually huge digitally. They've digital has, has done wonders for that business. And 
for me as someone who's launching romance comics, it made a lot of sense to launch with digital, given that that readership is there reading mm-hmm. romance novels and just say, Hey, you can put this on the exact same device. You know, you can put it on your iPad. Um, you know, we're going to offer EPUB versions and everything. So it's, again, just to make it as, as easy as possible. And I think people are more open to that and they're starting to understand. I mean, it's, we're not in the, the first generation of e-readers anymore. That's right. So people are, are more accustomed to reading on devices and to how to buy and how to put stuff on them and <laughs> how to deal with them. No question. I was just talking about this with uh, Chuck Dixon at the end of the year. And, you know, he's doing the same thing with men's adventure uh, stuff. I mean, he's running a bunch of ebooks like that. And I w- it doesn't surprise me. And it's funny because romance and men's adventure have always kind of been hand in hand <laughs> right. as far as the publishing business goes. So, yeah, it's kind of it does make sense. Um, so how do you get the word to the e-reader romance people? I mean, like, I, you know, before we started recording, I saw it. And I'm like, God damn, you got an article in the, the Washington Post <laughs> talking about your stuff. Nice going. That's great. That's huge. Absolutely, man. So what? Uh, but, yeah, how do you how do you let that romance genre ebook readership know <clears throat> that you guys exist? Well, that's that's actually one of the reasons we decided to do a Kickstarter. Um, you know, I am investing some of my own money, so I, this can happen. Um but I really wanted to have a Kickstarter to have a sustained PR campaign and have a, a place to direct people to, and also just to gauge interest. You know, you can you can see as people back it how excited or or whatever they are. And um, I have hired a, a publicist to help with that, which is how we ended up in the Washington Post Terrific. and uh, and on Vulture and on stuff like that. And that's a big part of it is just getting publicity in places where people who ne- don't necessarily read comics are going to be reading articles. And um, that's just it's an ongoing process of, of reaching out. And, um, you know, I've been talking to some romance novelists about writing for the magazine and doing comics for the first time because um, I, I feel like I can I can teach anybody to write a comic. I can't necessarily teach them to be a good writer <laughs> in in just, you know, 10 pages, but I can teach them how to how to write a comic. So is that what you're doing? Are you you're going to aspiring writers and, you know, or are writers that you've already read prose-wise? I mean, you've you've already mentioned obviously it was uh was it Sarah that Sarah you said uh, yeah. yeah, you discovered her that way. So that's where you're keen, kind of keeping your eye out is looking at some of these romance novels or even e-romance novels specifically and looking for new talent that way? Absolutely. I, you know, I want to keep a good balance of people who are experienced in comics and people who are up and coming comics creators and then people who maybe have never thought of working in the comics medium before, but it it could be a good fit. So I've been, uh, that's one of the things we're, uh, we're hoping to announce throughout the campaign. Um, because I think that's going to open up some doors, too, in terms of fans who, you know, we've got these novelists who are selling their romance novels to all these fans. And, and romance romance fans are interesting because they buy, you know, they follow authors. And I do this as well. You know, I, you follow specific authors that you know are good. But they'll also try anything new based on recommendation. And that's actually really hard to find in readers um, because, you know, it can be really hard to 
break through people's reading habits. And so the fact that r- romance novel readers are so open to reading anything really gives you an in if you're making something like this, where it's like, okay, you may not be familiar with comics, but it's still romance and you'd be willing to try a book by this author if it was a novel. So why not try it in the comic? Did you investigate uh, how successful uh, ebook people that use Kickstarter for their projects, how that's been? And is there like a significant track record of romance novelists, uh, you know, getting their projects through Kickstarters? I don't know that, you know, I, I actually didn't look into romance novelists on Kickstarter. Um, I'm not sure how popular it is. I feel like, Self-publishing through Amazon is much more popular for romance mm-hmm. novelists because, sure, you know, again, the the ebook market is so huge for them that you know you don't need a lot of funding in that case, right? You know, you right. write the novel, and you, you put it up, and hopefully it sells. And if it sells really well, you know, you're raking in money, like the the lady who wrote the the Bigfoot porn. <laughs> <laughs> you heard about that, right? I did. <laughs> I just haven't had the opportunity to talk about it. I think we had a we had a conversation with Art Balthazar. That's about it. Did you hear about that, sir? Yes, I did. Oh yeah. Hilarious. Oh man. Well, so like, have you even been able to even test like the interest level as far as the romance you know novelist uh, readership in terms of like they want romance comics as well? I'm, uh, you know, I've seen growing interest as as the campaign's gone on. Um, you know, we haven't necessarily gotten featured on any romance blogs or anything, but I'm seeing a lot of fans who aren't necessarily comics fans backing the project. Um, and you know, some of them have, have tweeted at the Rosie press account or even at me just to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This looks so cool. Um, so I think it's, you know, they're open-minded to it. Not everyone is going to be, obviously there's still a certain barrier when it comes to comics for people who, who haven't read them before that it can be difficult to break down, but is it, I know, isn't that strange? I mean, I don't know why. And I guess because we literally did grow up on these, Yeah. but it is, I, I when you give them to a newbie and they're like, how am I supposed to read this? <laughs> and they, they do, they kind of freak for like, a, like two yep. seconds and they're like, uh, and, and also, especially, I don't know about the conversion of those young ladies that started with, I God, that sounded ridiculously condescending, <laughs> but, but I, I didn't mean for it to, but you know, like kids, tweeners young young girl tweeners that started with manga yeah and then and then you know went to american comics and then had to like readjust their brain because that is still and maybe that's an old thing with me but that honestly like manga hurts a while when i when you really read it the way it's supposed to be read for me and i sometimes really do have trouble oh yeah it, it. it tricks my brain where if i read a lot of manga all at once and then i go to read an american comic my brain is like wait how am i supposed to move on this page what yeah. direction am I going in? Absolutely. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, like I said, if young girl tweeners had that problem, you know, converting to American comics and stuff. Because you know, I'm really glad you tweeted that Huffington News half hour mm-hmm. uh, that they spent uh, talking about, uh, you know, just uh, what's happening with women in comics right. now, with readership, uh, the the publishers responding to it and stuff. And, you know, I'm glad. And, and of course, you use yourself as an example in terms of being one of those kids that grew up on manga and then, 
you know, now where do they go as as adult yep. readers? Are they still satisfied with manga? Is there room for them to embrace American comics? And especially if you give them product that is like-minded in genre. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it. I was just talking to someone today about how where we are in comics now is that we've got Raina Talgemeier selling millions of dollars worth of comics to eight to 12 year old girls and just like doing an amazing job to the point where I don't know if you follow her on Instagram, but every time she posts anything, there's like eight to 10 kids like Raina, I love you. I love you. Please reply. Wow. It's amazing. Oh, I, I'm going to have to look. The, I, I didn't think of that. I should follow her just to see that happening and everything. And it's, You're right. It's, it's so like sweet. And they, you know, to them, she is a celebrity. But then it's like, where do those kids go after that? Because it, it can be so hard to find comics for kids that are like 12 to 15. That's yeah. a really hard age to find comics for. And I know because I've got a bunch of nephews and I spend time trying to find them comics. And so I think we lose, we now have a place in comics where, where kids are reading at younger ages and then, and then we lose them for a while. And while fresh romance is not aimed at filling that gap because, you know, again, R rated. um, But the idea is to offer something a little different that maybe maybe they go from Reina's books to manga into fresh romance. Interesting. Okay. No, I, I and like I said, I think did you put these teams together or did they did they come to you together <coughs> or I, both? Mm, mm, sorry, no um, I put these. You're t- sick, poor thing. I know. Um, I put these teams together mostly because I was operating uh, in secrecy. And I didn't really want to put out a call publicly for mm-hmm. creative teams together. And uh, and so I just, you know, th- that's part of what I love about editing is is pairing people up and, and matching personalities and styles and things like that. And I think it's, it's worked out amazingly well with these launch teams. Uh, but, you know, we're going to – once the Kickstarter concludes um, – assuming that it is successful. Um, I'm going to open up for submissions and I'm going to accept, you know, like pitches from just writers or, or, you know, like art samples from just artists, but I would love to see some teams that come together and, and pitch together because that was, you know, it is sort of interesting to see what people come up with when they're collaborating on their own versus an editor sort of putting a team together. Sure, absolutely. But I got to tell you, like, and I said this before, but really everyone's art sensibilities, I think, really fit. And I think people will be really happy with what they see. I mean, uh, again, um, Sarah Cyril's uh, Regency designs mm-hmm. and stuff, there's definitely this independent feel, but also staying very true to the genre. And it's got this kind of very soft impressionistic kind of art that, uh, you know, style to it that is indie at the same time as period appropriate. Absolutely. You know, it's almost got like those, I mean, the, the, uh, the stuff you see at the beginning of PBS's uh, mystery anthology is definitely more, it, that's much harsher, <laughs> Yeah. but, but, but it, it kind of fits in the same way. It's a, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Because, 
I think you know both examples. People will know when they go to your Kickstarter page and they and they see Sarah's work. And the same could be said too, like Sally Jane, like you were saying, the expressiveness of the barista is there, and there's the, almost an animation, a combination yep. of manga and animation, I think, to uh, to Sally Jane's uh, style. Yeah, and I don't, That's- you know. I think all editors have their sort of preferred aesthetics and, and things they like. And, and I do love a slight animated edge and clean lines and, and sort of open mm-hmm. art, which I think is obvious from the people I brought in. Um, but, you know, I, I want there to be enough different styles in the magazine that nobody ever feels bored while sure. still not having anything that feels super jarring. Very cool. And, you know, you want to go through some of the uh, premiums that people will get if they uh, contribute? Absolutely. So, you know, we've got – you can buy a single issue, obviously. Um, But then we've got a couple Kickstarter-exclusive subscriptions um, and then one-year subscriptions. And we've got a one-year subscription tier where you can get prints of our first three covers, um, which are by Kevin Wada, Unique Paquette, and Marguerite Sauvage. And uh, we're also doing greeting cards that you can get. And we had a a lot of original art at launch that is already gone. Like it went like crazy. I wasn't sure, you know, some Kickstarters, I feel like the original art does really well. And sometimes it doesn't move all that fast. Mm -hmm. And man, I'm, yeah, (laughs) I'm kind of amazed at how fast the original art went. Um, And you can buy an ad to advertise your love for someone. Uh, I am frightened to report that is the level my mother backed at. (laughs) So who knows what that ad will look like. Um, We've got some commissions from Chris Burnham, who I worked with on Batman Inc. when I was at DC. Um, my friend Jen did a bunch of custom cross stitches, which are unfortunately all gone because they sound awesome. And uh, we had a slot to get drawn into each, uh, you know, one person get drawn into each of the stories. Um, and then we've got a bunch of different commissions and pinups and stuff. You know, I, uh, my, my friend David Macho is an agent who works in Spain and who represents a bunch of different artists like, Perry Perez and Jesus Saiz and Ramon Box. And as I was setting this up, I called him up and I was like, you know, do you guys have anything that I can buy from them to sell on my Kickstarter? And uh, and he really rallied them. So I've got a, a bunch of great stuff from the uh, Spanish Inquisition folks that David <laughs> represents. That's, what, that's the name of his uh, agency. I like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, there's really – there's great uh, pages – from uh, the big two that are that are up there is that that I'm assuming a lot of these people donated. Yep. In addition to that, um, God Yannick Paquette, mm-hmm. uh, that cover for issue two, isn't that amazing? Yeah, it he, really. I mean, he blew gorgeous. me away. He really did. Like, I wasn't sure what to expect because you know I, I've worked with Yannick before, um, and and so I was sort of like, are you up for doing the Regency romance cover? And he was like, totally. <laughs> And so he did it in this great woodcut style. Um, and Sarah Searle, who's doing the interior artwork for that story, colored it. Um, so we'll be posting the colors probably in the, the next week or so. 
Okay, because, yeah, man, it's a beautiful black and white piece, but no, I, I can't imagine what it, it's going to look like colored. Yeah, she did, a, she did a really great job. and um, So, yeah, that turned out so great. And it's the third issue cover by Marguerite Sauvage will feature the Sarah Kuhn, Sally Jane Thompson story so that we have, you know, a, a cover for, for each one. Excellent. But, yeah, you yeah, can definitely I- see my, uh, my, my DC roots in some of the uh, available rewards, given how many right. Batgirl and Batwoman and <laughs> Batman things there are. Uh, that's, that's cool, though. You know, it, it went over really well. And, and, I mean, we sold so much stuff out that I, I had to amend things today. We announced at, like, 8.30 the, this morning at my time, we announced Cameron Stewart was doing sketches. Oh, that's great. And within 10 minutes, they were sold out. Wow. Yeah, of course. So oh. that was pretty amazing. Not, not surprising. Very <laughs> cool. Very cool. I Man, I got to tell you, I've been wanting to talk to Cameron about uh, not only uh, everything he's doing with Batgirl, but also even seeing Tutelo. Uh, yeah. Excellent webcomic that I just love. <laughs> yeah, man. Batgirl is so good. Yeah, no, and and you know, hey, stretching stretching the uh, the limits, and I think that's terrific. Absolutely, and 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 I appreciate the tone. I mean, I thought Gail had a great run, and I'm I'm glad to see that uh, this different direction is more inclusive. Um, the uh, the cover controversy, the alternate, the <laughs> variant cover controversy was. Uh, I can appreciate the incongruency to the the you know what what the creators are trying to do with the new direction and it's too bad it sounds like there was mis- miscommunication and you know i what, what was your take on on that last week well <clears throat> you know dc when they do like a variant theme month um mm-hmm. it's usually not the editors who edit the book that are in charge of those themed covers because it's you know, it's usually a different department that handles like, okay, we're going to use this artist, this artist, and this artist, and let's make sure there's no overlap because it's it's one theme across all the books. So if it was each individual editor, they might all come and be like, oh, we're going to do the Joker versus Batman. So I think there was just a disconnect between sort of what the editorial team and the, the creative team on Batgirl wanted and uh and and what they you know the other department thought might be a good cover and it, the problem is like it was a beautiful cover it was it was yes. i don't think anyone said that it wasn't a great work of art cuz obviously Raphael Albuquerque is super talented hell yes which i think is part of the problem that people were so creeped out by it because he's so good at what he does well, and it's a disturbing it, – yeah. it calls back to a disturbing story, The Killing Joke, yep. and, and it definitely evokes the memories of that. Um, go on. You go on and I'll – Yeah, and I, I mean I think it's just – it's hard because you have this book that they're trying to instill a sort of indie sensibility to. And at the same time, it's not a book that those creators own. Sure. So – <clears throat> it's it's sort of balancing the the standard way DC does business with trying to bring in that indie sensibility and and figuring out how to work all of that together without something like a cover going live and everybody being like oh my gosh we hate this why did you well, do this you know hey and I and I I talked about this with with Kelly Sudakonic last month um 
I like to think of myself as a, a, a liberal-minded person, and I truly am glad that there is more inclusion on the creator side of comics, that they are truly catering to the 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 fifty percent of the population that has let it be known that they like comics too, and there should and absolutely, of course, there should be comics for everyone, everyone, transgender, you, the color, creed, race, whatever, sex, yes, by all means, I'm I'm totally for that. I got to be honest, and maybe it's my white guy uh, naivete uh, because it was pointed out to me that yeah, you know, the Joker pointing his finger in a gun like way to Batgirl and her fear. It's like, hey, guess what? That's a penis. And I'm like, yeah, really? I, I and seriously, I'm like, okay. I, I really, that's it. Like, God, I didn't even think. I didn't even <laughs> think that's a penis. And so you got. I mean, I grew up like you know, pointing my finger, and and all I know is when I was playing army or, or cops and robbers or or you know, old west cowboys and Indians and stuff. I didn't think I was pointing my penis at Joey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, and really, I don't mean to. You know what I'm saying? I, and, and that's the thing. And I appreciate you laughing because it's. I really think that. And and I, and I want your 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 views, obviously, but I really think that there's going to be these kinds of moments where. With the best intentions, people are going to continue to stub their toes. Oh, absolutely! And I really, you know, and it, and it and it really not to be overly precious, or or if this is a poor analogy, then I'll accept a better one from whoever can come up with one. But much like when uh, I think civil rights was brand new, or anything, that there's going to be things done with the best intentions, and and there's going to be fuck ups along the way. And I and I just think that as long as people respond as they do that's all they can do and also go jesus we're sorry all right maybe our blinders are on we just weren't seeing what you were saying and again you 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 stack up all the variables i can appreciate where the outrage came from but by the same token i i I did i felt bad because i was like okay you know like you said i mean albuquerque is a great artist and and it and it was a very shocking cover that maybe didn't fit along the what they're trying to do with batgirl right now but yeah, it's just it's something that was taken for granted, as you say, and as you point out operationally how things are done. That I don't think it was done with any intended malice. Obviously. No, I don't. I don't think it was done with malice. I think like many things done by comics publishers, it was done out of ignorance. Um, you know, I, I mean, part of the problem with with art is that it is so often subjective, and so yes. what may seem harmless to one person with one set of experiences may seem very, very frightening and painful to someone with a different set of, of experiences. And it's not that we necessarily need to work around everyone's individual experiences. It's just that there does need to be some understanding of the implications in an image and, and the message it's sending to fans like the reason that that cover was particularly harmful on a book like that was that it is a book that they're trying to bring in young female readers and then they put a cover like that on it where it sends the wrong message to those young female readers. It's once again sort of a, a poor marketing approach. Sure. But, <clears throat> you know... I have to say, you know, when you you talked about, like, there's going to be missteps and everything, not to harp too much on Batgirl, but I feel like the apology that Cameron and Brendan and Babs put out for 
the trans misstep that they made in issue 37 Mm -hmm. was a great example of how to deal with a misstep and how to say like, look, we hear our audience and we, we understand that, you know, this, this was a, this was a misstep on our part and Mm -hmm. we will learn from this. Um, Because I think so often you see the apologies that are like, we're sorry you got offended, which never fails to infuriate people. Sure. No, I could. That's fair. And, and, and I think you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, what about the other, and I just talked to Dex Shalvey about this. Um, <coughs> and, and, and again, just your individual opinion, like there are some missteps or, or attempts to correct things that I don't know, man, I think it, it you're, you're really going down a slippery slope. And I think, is it the PAX convention where the whole booth babes, at conventions is kind of being discussed in terms of, well, do we want booth babes? Doesn't that send the wrong message? And I can appreciate that, and I appreciate the intent behind that. But then by the same token, I'm like, well, if I guess if what is appropriate when cosplay and the level of sexuality that is displayed in cosplay is okay at a convention, but booth babes aren't, and maybe I'm misreading – what the intent was behind getting potentially getting rid of booth babes or bringing that debate mm. up. Yeah. I haven't read too much about the, the pack stuff mostly cause I try and avoid any gamer related issues these days. Um, but I, I mean, it's such a, it's such a mixed bag talking about booth babes versus cosplay because, <clears throat> you know, I, I feel like, one of the larger problems is not the women who are there, but how the men who are there comport themselves completely. And yes, yes. I don't think, you know, if, if people don't like the idea of booth babes, which I completely understand. Um, but I don't think taking, you know, removing them from the equation entirely necessarily is a solution to the problem of, women getting groped or ogled or whatever it can because that's still going to exist with cosplayers unfortunately right, right. I mean, well and, it, and it's, it doesn't really address the real problem which is the guys being dicks and like hey right. don't be an asshole no i get it and i and and that's the thing and that's why unfortunately i really think it's going to have to be like that no you know on the convention people are going to volunteers and and the yep. people that are running the convention they're just going to have to police that more and be sensitive to that, and by all means, yeah, hey, you know, and and I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and I and I'm it's too bad that it is that way. Um, I, I, um, I, you know, I, and it, yeah, I mean, no, it's groping, absolutely. I mean, God, you know, that's just come on. I uh, I cosplayed once at a convention, okay. and you know, I've been dressing up for years for Halloween and and whatever like geeky costumes. Um, but I'd never done it at a convention and I, I did it a few years ago and I'll never do it again. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are cosplayers and they love it passionately putting together the costumes and everything. And, and it's, it's really inspiring to see the finished product. No question. But I was unprepared for the amount of attention, both positive and negative that you get as a cosplayer. And it is very overwhelming if you are not prepared for it. And 
there were, even though it was not like I was not with any sort of sexy group, we were we were gender swapped Doctor Who characters. This is not, <laughs> you know, like so, sex appeal. So, so what were you? <laughs> uh, I was I was the ninth Doctor, uh, Eccleston. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like okay. these were these, hot. <laughs> yeah, these are not really costumes, and still I had. Some guy come up to me and be like, you know, if you give me your email, I'll send you some photos of yourself. And I was like, what? Like, what are you, why would I give you my email? And then he was like, well, here's, here's my card. You know, you can email me anytime. Like, what? It was so creepy. And again, okay. this is like a very standard, not at all sexy cosplay group. I cannot imagine like the things that other cosplayers have to deal with. And I, sure. after that, I was like, I'm never, ever going to do this again. That's the thing, man. I'm telling you, uh, conventions are like one part high school mixer and, and one part professional. And it's really, you got to be careful. And I really think that, yeah, it's, I'm sorry. I, I really do feel bad for people that it is that kind of environment and that they, they have to think twice about that. And it's too bad that people just can't have a, a decent, good time. Absolutely. I mean, I've had conversations with a, a bunch of other female pros about, you know, how do you stay safe at conventions? And the fact I, I doubt, highly, highly doubt that male comics pros are having conversations and groups about how to keep safe at conventions. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, many of the women I know in comics are talking about, Oh, well, you know, I go to the bar and I only have two drinks or I, you know, I don't go to the bar at all because who knows what could happen or, you know, I don't leave the convention floor or I have these signals with my friends. If somebody starts creeping on me at my table and it's just like it's a lot of hoops to jump through. And these are these are professionals who are tabling and who are there to network, to look for work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know comics, like so much of of networking in comics is at the bar and Absolutely. is in the social environment. And so to have all these women pros not feel comfortable in that environment it's really frustrating because it's it's yet another thing that holds them back through no fault of their own. No, I, and that's why I, I am I am thrilled and glad that the publishers are responding to this very vocal segment of the market saying, "No, we want representation. We want books that we can you know appreciate." I uh, that Huffington conversation I thought was interesting, and here's my take, and I, and I'm curious to hear what you think because um, I don't have this feeling, but they talked about um, a lot of the male heroes being replaced by the female heroes and, you know, uh, that they're taken, uh, that, that they can't conceive of the idea of a female Thor, a black Captain America. And I do think there's a segment of the audience that feels that way, but I also think there's a segment of the audience that's just like, Hey, I was very happy to be reading uh, Steve Rogers stories about him as Captain America. I'm sorry you and and the perception by the market is I'm sorry you've run out of stories to say about Steve Rogers and you feel the need for somebody else. Where do I go? I'd like to still read Steve Rogers. I have no problem with a black super soldier and even call him Cap, you know, and I love Sam Wilson and and, and I'm not saying this is me. I'm just, right. you know, making that characterization. I know listen, I uh again, I think I'm a very enlightened person. Alan Scott happens to be my favorite Green Lantern. When James Robinson took the Earth 2 book and turned 
uh, the current Alan Scott into a gay character. I was pissed. Not that I didn't want there to be a gay Green Lantern. I'm all for again. I think that's fine. It's just like, oh, but you know, you took my guy, and it's just, and I, and I just liked Alan Scott, and really, that was my thing. It was just like, oh, you took my guy. Well, couldn't you have created a gay Green Lantern? And and James and I had a very reasonable discussion about it, and I understood where he's coming from. And by the way, I've since been like, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I, I mean, I got I got over that initial shock, but I do think that there are there are segments of the audience that it's not that they don't want there to be. A, a character of equal power to happen to be a woman or a person of color. It's just, why did you have to take away my hero to come up with a hero that represents this other race or sex? Well, I think a big reason for it is the established characters have a little higher profile. And so you're taking a higher profile character and then making them, you know, a woman or a person of color, LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it, it adds something to the stories. I mean, it's hard, I agree. It's, hard to, <laughs> it's hard because it's, you know, they're, they're both a different character and the same character when you're changing an existing character. I mean, I sort of think what Marvel did with having a female Thor was smart because it's not like they turned existing Thor into a woman Exactly. It's part of a story. It's an evolution. And the same with right. the same with Captain Marvel. Absolutely. You know? Yes, 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 absolutely. So and Ms. Mar- well, and also bringing in the Ms. Marvel character, right. I think, you know, absolutely. And and even Sam Wilson, I mean, it's the thing. Like I personally I love it because they haven't left those other characters to just disappear or retconned into women. It's like, no, no, no. The, you know, like the Odin son, but I, I always feel like such a LARPing nerd when I, <laughs> the Odin son is still part of the story. Thank you. And he is, we're, right. we're going through what he is going through, which is as interesting as the mystery of who, you know, the female Thor is and watching her evolve. And, and that's great. And in the hands of a talented writer, it's a great story. And no, Jason, Jason's doing a great job and I'm thrilled that he's having the success that he is. The same goes with everything that Dan has come up with uh, in the spider verse to, you know, make silk and, and spider Gwen, the, mm. the realities that they are in it. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. And Sam Wilson is captain America. That's great. I mean, what, you know, uh, uh, just like seeing Bucky as cap, Sam is, is that guy that's always been at Steve's side. Okay. Now what happens when he's the man? And it's, and I think that's really, really, and also again, we're seeing how it affects Steve Rogers. We're seeing how it affects Peter knowing that there's a Gwen Stacy out there in another world and stuff. And certainly his relationship with Silk is a lot of fun to explore as well. Well, and I think when, when you get into characters like superheroes, the status quo, if you stay with the status quo for a character, there's only so much you can do. And it turns into the, like the Dragon Ball Z or Kenshin or, or, Bleach or you name you name your shonen manga and anime where the the hero fights increasingly difficult bad guys until the point where he's improbably powerful like to the point where it doesn't even make sense and then you know you you have this like continuous story where nothing's really changed other than hero fights bad guy over and over again and you don't really evolve the character and i think i i like the stories where the character evolves whether that's you know they stop being 
their their current identity and become yep. something else or you know someone new takes the mantle whatever and it doesn't have to be that they they change into a different character i think it's interesting as long as you can find way you know there's just i think there's a limited number of things you can do with the same characters over 60 70 years and yeah if people are bummed because they like this character and they follow this character you know the good news is they probably i'm gonna guess haven't read every single comic about that character when we're talking about the classic superheroes so there are a lot of other stories that they could be reading if they don't want to watch this new thing happen. Yeah, I you know, and and I I just think there's that segment of the audience that you used the Dragon Ball Z example, and I and my thing is always no, you're doing the Superman story wrong. He crashes through the wall, he unties Lois, <coughs> the gangsters shoot at him, the bullets bounce off, he clunks their heads and flies them off to jail. And I and yeah, that's how it was last month. And I want to see it again next month and the following month. And they do. There's this comfort in that repetition of I want my superhero, you know, I want my Avengers stories to be the same. I, I didn't ask for an all female Avengers group. What the hell are you talking about? You know, I mean, and and I and there are those knuckleheads that yeah, that's that's kind of how they think, and they only want stories done a certain way. Roger Stern was the guy who knew how to do Avengers stories, and I don't want to see anyone else doing any kind of changes to the character. Period. You know, I mean, it's I I know I, I I've encountered that as well, and and it whatever. But no, I agree with you. I think especially in the case of Thor, making it a woman, it's like, well, what does it mean to be Thor? Just like as it did when Beta Ray Bill was Thor, right? But now it's even more interesting because now as opposed to it being an alien, it's a it's a human woman, right? And that's and that's great. And then again, what does that mean? What does it mean to the Odin son who was Thor? If he can't be Thor, then what is he? And what what is his place? And he has to go through that, and we're on the journey with him. And I think that's I, I think that's brilliant, and I think it's uh, very interesting for for both characters. Same goes with Steve Rogers facing his mortality in a way that you know he's only had to do for maybe two or three issues before you know things change and he gets to be Captain America <laughs> again. So uh, no, I I, th- I think it's fun, and I do. I think it stretches the characters, and I think it challenges the writers, the readers, and the characters in ways that it really just sit down and let it happen, and don't worry. Eventually, things will will likely swing back, and and you know I I I'll be very interested to see how. Hopefully, uh, she uh, the the woman that is Thor uh, has a better trajectory than Eric. Uh, is it Eric Masterson? Was he Thunderstrike? No, oh, I don't remember. Hey, see, I don't know. I wasn't reading back then. That was my blind spot. Me neither. So, all right. So, as a wrap up, because I know you're dying, and I, and I appreciate <laughs> you staying on. It's congested as you're, and plus you're going to Emerald City. Yep. But uh, so, like, just general ballpark, because and I I, I kind of talked about this with Kel, uh, and I and I didn't maybe I didn't make myself clear because clearly there's a lot more work to be done, but um and and we're at the very early stages of attempts at change. What are you looking for, if you can even quantify, in the next few months in terms of the good moves that that DC and Marvel can do? Are they doing enough? Is the announcements of the directions that they're going in a good first step? You know, well, let's see what happens. Let's see how it develops. How do you judge what's currently being attempted? I mean, I think... They're making decent progress, but it's also 
pretty crap. I mean, it, it's hard because I, I feel like Marvel makes so many great steps towards female characters and like a lot of their characterization mm-hmm. of women as characters is really strong, but they really suck at hiring women. Um, okay. If you look at their numbers uh, of the, the female creators that they employ, it's it's for a while has been much lower than DC's. And I would not hold DC as the standard of hiring women either. Sure, sure. Um, so it's, you know, I think both companies need to be better at, well, and not just Marvel and DC either, you know, Image and IDW and, you know, like everybody needs to be better at hiring women. But I think, you know, sort of the higher you go in the echelons of of comic publishers, the the worse they get at it. Um so I'd love to see them hire more women, which again is why I do the column at Comics Alliance. Mm-hmm. And I think as we start to see that, it it starts to feel more genuine because you're not just capitalizing on, hey, we've got these female characters. Can we lure in the female readers and make money off them? It's also like, hey, we want to employ women and and make them a, a paid part of our industry. Um, which has been a struggle for a long time. You know, how many, how many women have been able to make a living as a creator at places like Marvel and DC over the last couple decades? You know, it's, it's not a lot. Right. No, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. I, you know, we should acknowledge, and I'm glad <laughs> the Comics Alliance did. And I know a lot of the uh, comic news websites, you know, obviously took notice that Diana Schutz is stepping down over at Dark Horse, mm-hmm. already has actually, and is concentrating on her teaching. But, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, there needs to be, you know, several hundred more Diana Schutzes in the industry. Right. But the, but I'm glad to see that, um, the, the main comic news websites did acknowledge her incredible contribution, uh, in the, in the last couple of decades. And I really think is one of the smarter people in comics and, and, and pleased that, you know, she's wasted her time with me for a couple hours over the years and, and had good conversations, but no real smart person. And I'm glad that, you know, look at her shift into the academic world where I think it's even more needed and helping legitimize the medium, uh, in a way that I, I think it will only come as it's more and more accepted academically Absolutely. that it can, you know, you know, yeah. And it can really sit alongside, you know, the other art forms like movies and, 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 you know, uh, novels and stuff and that can be taken seriously but yeah i think you know she's a she's a great person to kind of spearhead and 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 help make that happen well that's the thing too is that there have been women in comics all along who have been making an impact like her and like karen berger and it's how about in the romance world was it dorothy uh uh, at dc Uh, i'm gonna get her name wrong yeah I think that's how you pronounce her last name. I'm going to, I'm going to look her up while we're talking. You keep going. Um, I'll I'll make sure we do her justice. You know, so there's, there have always been women in comics who have made an impact. I think we're at a point in the industry where there's more women making an impact than ever before. Oh, my voice is terrible right now. I'm sorry. Um, Dorothy Wolfolk, by the way. Yeah. Um, You know, so I, I think it's just a matter of, of making sure that there's room for all these women and, and they're getting jobs and they're once they get jobs and they're working in comics, they don't feel scared out of the industry by any of the 8 million things that could happen to them. And 
that they want to continue on. And then in 30 years, it's not just one Diana Schultz. It's 40. Indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I say shuts. I think, I don't think it's, I don't think there's an L in there. Yeah. I think I mispronounced it. Don't worry. But it, you know, that's all right. That's all right. No, I, like I said, I was really glad Comics Alliance did her justice. And I know a lot of the other websites did as well. And, uh, you're doing your part, uh, with, um, what you're doing with uh, Rosie Press and Fresh Romance. I'm I, certainly I, I trying. Mean, hey, no, real talented uh, people, and, and I think the concepts are strong, and uh, the art is gorgeous, and I, I wish you nothing but success with this. I think it's a great idea, and I think it's of its time, and people need to go check out your Kickstarter campaign and help you uh, back it and uh, start the subscriptions rolling in. And uh, no, I, th- I think it's very neat, Janelle, and I, and I hope that it works out because – I think the genre could use that kind of exposure. I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for more talent. Um, you say you're going to be at uh, Comixology Submit uh, panel? Yeah, I'll actually be at uh, a bunch of different panels. Um, yeah, tell me. <clears throat> oh, sorry. So I'm going to no be yeah, I know. Poor thing. At, uh, uh, on Friday, I'll be at the All Ages Comics Aren't Limiting panel. Um, which is at like 11.50, which I obviously won't really be talking about Fresh Romance at. Um, and then on Saturday, I'm on the Comicsology Submit panel, which is at 2.50. And then I'm on a Making Comics panel, um, which is like a behind-the-scenes look. Amy Chu put that together, and it should be a lot of fun. She's super smart. Um, that's at 4.10. And then I'm moderating a Cover Artist Confidential panel, from noon to 12.50 on Saturday. And that one is, um, I can't remember all the people we have on it, but it's a bunch of really amazing cover artists, people who are known for their amazing covers. And we're going to talk about what makes a good cover and art and all that fun stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's fantastic. Well, keep it up. Well done. Thanks. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm liking the directions you're going into. And I'm, uh, as always, glad that you're willing to uh, talk to me about them. So uh, keep up the good work and uh, we'll, we'll catch up in a few months and, and see how the progress is on Fresh Mo- Romance and everything else uh, Janelle Aslan is uh, involved in currently. Sounds good. There you go. So look for Janelle's uh, Kickstarter campaign and uh, check out her columns at Comics Alliance. And I hope you enjoyed today's word balloon. It was uh, brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where great deals continue to happen at InStock Trades. How about The Avengers by Kurt Busick and George Perez? Uh, The Omnibus Hardcover Volume 1 is 42% off, and it's just $72.50. You can get low trade paperback Volume 1, The Delirium of Hope. Uh, That's from uh, Rick Remender and Greg Tocchini. Uh, It is uh, 50% off, just $4.99 for Volume 1. You can get uh, Big Hard Sex Criminals, the hardcover from Matt Fraction, and of course... uh I'm sorry. I'm laughing because uh, they've got uh, on the uh, credits for uh, Big Hard Sex Criminals instead of Chip Zdarsky. They've got Ziggy Chooch, ladies and gentlemen. I know that's not Ziggy Chooch. It's fucking Chip Zdarsky. Of course it is. But uh, Big Hard Sex Criminals is 50% off, and it's uh, just $19.99. Damn, that's a funny book. Uh, lots more great books are happening at InStockTrades.com. You can get uh, Criminal, Trade Paperback Volume 3, The Dead and the Dying from uh, Sean Phillips and Ed Brubaker, 42% off, just $8.69. 
and a whole hell of a lot more. Unbelievable. Charles Soule, Letter 44, Volume 2. Uh, Alberto Albuquerque is uh, the artist, and uh, it is just gorgeous and an amazing story as well. Volume 2 is uh, 30% off, $13.99. It's all happening at InStockTrades.com. Check, check it out for yourself, InStockTrades.com. John Sutra saying thanks again for listening to Word Balloon, and uh, thank you for uh, being patient with me this month. I uh, am trying to compensate with, uh, you know, uh, the the almost uh, more than a week for between the episodes a while ago, so I wanted to give you two episodes this week. Uh, more coming up next week as well as we get into April and say goodbye to March. And, uh, man, there's just a laundry list of people that are uh, coming up uh, that I'm really excited to have on Word Balloon for the first time and a lot of returning guests as well. Uh, very excited in the directions that uh, the podcast is going in, and it just shows that as the uh, comic market evolves and the different books that appear on our shelves, uh, it just shows you that there's more and more to talk about. And uh, I am not slowing down or stopping anytime soon, even though uh, the 10th anniversary is coming up on uh, May 10th. So uh, more on that uh, as we get closer to it. But uh, thanks for being along for the ride. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you have a great convention weekend if you're out there or uh, next weekend at WonderCon. I hope you have a great time. And in just a few weeks, it'll be C2E2, and I'll see you guys out there. But uh, be safe. As we talked about in the convention uh, uh, conversation that I had with Janelle today, uh, just be careful out there. Have a great time, but uh, by by the same token, watch yourselves and make sure you protect yourselves as well. All right? I feel like uh, Michael Conrad on uh, Hill Street Blues. Let's be careful out there. And I know everybody under 30 has no idea what I'm talking about. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2015.